Good afternoon and welcome to Success Coaching Radio. My name is Eric Reed and I'm your host. And I'm so glad you stopped in to spend a little bit of time with me. Well, what do we do here on Success Coaching Radio? If this is your first time, I'll go ahead and answer that question for you. We kind of do some success hacking. I mean, what is success hacking? Well, we all want to live life with success. And that doesn't always mean the big car, the big house, or the big bank account. But that means really connecting into every moment of our life more successfully with the people around us and the things that we're doing. And so by gathering here, we kind of do some success hacking. That's what we're all about. And so today, I want to sort of talk to you about this interesting article I ran across. And it really struck me because I could see myself in it. And maybe at the end of this, you will too. But it's really the four common roles people play in arguments. Now, we've all gotten an argument from time to time. Now, I'm, you know, maybe you're not the loud, screaming, you know, handshaking, house rattling kind of argument, but there's always a moment of tension between us, whether it's with a coworker or a spouse or siblings or just people in general. We we have these arguments and Typically, people take on one of four characteristic traits, is what it pointed out. And it was funny, as I was beginning to read this, I come from a family of five, and I've got four sisters. I could almost see each one of my siblings and the role that they would play and the way we respond to each other. And it was, it was, it was kind of funny because it was like watching a chess game that you've already watched. You know, it was kind of like deja vu in real life kind of thing. And so now that I understand the four roles and their behaviors and how to predict it and how to see it coming... And then some tips that we'll go over at the end about how to better handle it. Oof, I'm beginning to feel pretty good. You know, I used to think I was outnumbered. Now what I realized is I just wasn't smart enough to handle the situation right. So let's dig in. You know, there are four, as it says, there are four typical behaviors or four typical roles. And the first one is the avoider. Now, as the name kind of implies, the avoider is the one who avoids conflict at all cost. I mean, they will do just about anything to avoid an argument. And if they find themselves in one, they'll do whatever they possibly can do to escape. That might mean physically leaving the room or hanging up their phone or just shutting down mentally right there in front of you. I mean, you've seen it, that physical walking away or hanging up the phone, changing the subject, distracting themselves or moving the argument away from the topic at hand, or acting like everything is fine, or putting up an emotional wall. Now, one of my sisters, and I'm going to keep the names anonymous just to protect them and their story, but one of my sisters, when we were younger and there was an argument in the house, she would get physically sick. I mean, she would you could just see her changing colors and her sinuses, and, and not that she would cry, but you could just see that it was almost like she was getting seasick or emotional sickness. And, and so my, my mother would say, oh, go, go, go lay down. Go in the other room. Leave the space. And so that was her way of escaping the situation. That was her way of, of, of not having to be present for the argument. Now, it worked. It was a survival mechanism. Now, maybe some things were resolved and some things weren't resolved in her absence. But that was her way of handling an argument. Now, the other role is the peacekeeper. Now, everybody wants to be the peacekeeper because it sounds very noble. But like I said, that peacekeeper is that conflict, adverse, avoiders. They kind of sit in the middle. They don't walk away from the argument, but they don't actually get in the argument. They kind of stand and try and make sure that nobody's hurt in the middle of it. 
They're the people that sit in the middle of the teeter-totter, so to speak. They try to appease everybody. Oh, I understand what you're saying. And then they'll turn their head and they'll look at the other person and say, yeah, and I understand what you're saying. Oh, but you're right, but you're also right. And, and pretty soon it becomes this ping-pong match for them that they feel like they have to appease everyone to resolve things and as quickly as possible. They're that shh, 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 shh. Hush, 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 hush. We'll be fine. Don't worry about it. They suppress their own uncomfortable and negative feelings. No matter what they have in the game, you'll never know because they'll, they'll just, they'll just, nope. It's about keeping everybody else happy. It's about bringing peace and resolution as quickly as they can. Let us find a, a, a moment of peace and tranquility. They'll, they'll forfeit self in the midst of it. Sometimes they'll even insert themselves into an argument because they can't see two people in, in, in conflict and they want to quickly create peace. And so they'll jump in the middle where they have no dog in the fight, as they say in the site, the South. They, they want everybody to remain calm and shut down and shut up as quickly as possible. They, they're going against their own feelings and beliefs and values sometimes just to bring compromise. They will agree with somebody, even though in their gut of guts they know it's wrong and it's not who they are, just to bring a silence, they'll be the peacekeeper. And they try and distract everybody from what's going on and, and play things down and soften it up. Now, you would expect that, you know, one or my other, but I, I always found myself as the peacekeeper as a, among my siblings. And maybe it's because of my position in the family, but I always tried to make sure that everybody felt like they were heard and they walked away with a win. And that I would walk away feeling like, well, wait a minute, what did I get out of being in the middle of that? I mean, I was battered and bruised because they would be arguing over me, through me, and at me because I, could, I was only trying to keep the peace. I was only trying to bring a harmony into the house. And, and so often it really created more discomfort. Well, then... You know, if we've got the peacekeeper and we've got the avoider, who do we have next? We have the martyr. We all love the martyr, don't we? You know, the martyrs tend to feel personally attacked in every argument, in every situation, which is why their gut response is to get either overly defensive or quiet and miserable. You know, oh, nobody listens to me, so I'm just going to sit here and shut up because nobody cares about my feelings no matter what I say. Nobody will ever do anything about it. So they become this, this rag doll of, of quiet, crying, puddle in the corner, as if they're trying to vanish and disappear, but all the time they're trying to pull the spotlight to them in that action. Or they're like, nobody ever listens to me, and if you only listen to me, and they become very defensive and very loud right out of the gate. And you're like, whew. What is all that about? I mean, where did that come from? I mean, all I said was it was raining outside, and all of a sudden they're taking the blame for it and telling me it's their fault, and I should quit blaming them. You know, and it's like, whoa, Mr. Martyr, slow down, slow down, step it back, because that, that martyr feels like a victim all the time, which makes the other person the perpetrator. And so they have to always get in that left and right, that black and white kind of position. This deflects all of the blame onto the other person. All the responsibility belongs to the other person, the situation outside of their control, the events that they weren't part of. Everything is outside of their control, and so therefore you have to understand it's not my fault, and nobody ever listens to me. Well, because martyrs feel so under misunderstood and personally hurt in any argument, you'll often hear them say things like, why do people always make me feel like a bad guy? 
that passive aggressive, or I guess you don't love me anymore, or why does no one appreciate me and all the sacrifices I make? You don't understand what it's like. If you knew how hard I worked. Well, you know, the martyr, their go-to moves in an argument are something like playing the victim, feeling misunderstood and attacked, everybody's always attacking me, nursing the hurt and feeling and holding grudges. Ugh. That martyr will like, everybody else will leave the room and the argument, think it's resolved, and six years later, the martyr can reflect back on it as an unresolved issue. Even though everything around it is already passed and turned to dust, the martyr holds on to it. And then they always assign blame to somewhere else. They, they, they push it out of self-responsibility so that they're never the person or the cause. But what is sad is in becoming that, they never get the chance to grow and take responsibility. So as we've done the top three, and I'm, like I said, when I was reading through these and learning about them, I was thinking of, I, I, you may have already started naming family members, co-workers, people in, you know, people in your circle that you're like, I know this one the avoider, I know that one, the peacekeeper, I know this one, the martyr. Well, do you know the one called the tyrant? I know, the tyrant. The tyrants don't shy away from arguments. And when triggered into one, they put on their boxing gloves and they're ready to fight. I mean, they are the throwdown expert in an argument. Once the anger is flowing, a tyrant starts seeing red and can't help but perceive everything the other person says as annoying. And they're just dumb or stupid or wrong, and they just keep pummeling and pummeling and pummeling the other person in the argument with words and thoughts. And I remember when you did this, and this is just like the time you did that. And they just keep pouring it on and pouring it on. The tyrant's main objective during an argument is to prove that they are always right which means that the other person is emphatically wrong. They use any means necessary to prove the other person's wrong, including interrupting them, bringing up stories, distorting truths, you know, and creating all kinds of fantasy events that happened or didn't happen and applying it to the situation. Tyrants tend to have, have a mental log of everything that's ever been done and the course of history since the dawn of time, and they're able to call it up in an instant to be used in the argument to, again, pummel the other person down into submission to prove that they are right and the other one is always wrong. You know, the tyrant's go-to moves are deflecting the blame by making the other person wrong or not letting the other person voice what they're speaking. They're always interrupting, always shutting them down, always saying, well, that's not true because, you know, or one-upping the other person. Well, yeah, but remember the time that I had to do this, or I know what you said, but remember I had to do this, this, and that, and so I don't know what you're complaining about. They're criticizing and belittling and patronizing. They're hurtling accusations and insults and bringing up old grievances. You know, that tyrant... You can see those boxing gloves pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding. And no resolution occurs. I mean, the other person walks away looking like pudding and the tyrant feels all strong and, you know, I'm the winner. But what was resolved? And as I listened to those four ideas and I studied those four thoughts, I thought, you know what, you're right. Every time one of these relationships occur, whether it's the tyrant or the martyr or the peacekeeper or the avoider, nothing changes. Now, 
I understand that sometimes arguments are frivolous, but sometimes arguments are a way of communicating and getting an idea and making resolution and growing. But if we approach it from those four positions, then wait a minute, what do we gain? Who wins? We all just go back to our corners, take a breath, and hope we survive to the next time. So is there a better, healthier, more productive way to engage in arguments? Well, I would be a lousy coach if I didn't say yes and then tell you what they were. So let's go ahead and start those. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that none of these four roles are particularly healthy or helpful. Nothing productive comes out of the argument when the tyrant is yelling and the avoider is leaving and the martyr is playing the victim and the peacekeeper is just standing in the middle making sure everybody has you know, tea and biscuits. And if you're the person in life that you know, falls into any of these roles or if you can identify your parts of yourself and parts of your family, you're asking, okay, how can I do things differently? How can I feel differently at the end of such an event? How can I begin to control myself and then begin to control the argument around me? Now, I didn't say control the other person, but when we control our behavior and our reaction, guess what? We begin to change the temperature of the room we're standing in. You know, if the tyrant comes at us and we become the martyr, then nothing changes. But if we step out of the role of being the martyr, then who's the tyrant got to beat up on? Ah, there's the insight. And this is what I began to understand when I was when dealing in family matters and watching family coaching and counseling that I do. I began to shift the players and teach one player a new set of skills or a new set of tools or thoughts. And as soon as they began to move out of the status quo, everybody had to follow in some way or the relationship would crumble and fall apart, which in some cases is a good thing because those old patterned relationships need to change and transform. Now, there was a time that it was good for my young sister or my sister when she was younger to move out of the way, to avoid the argument. But how does that serve her in her marriage or with her children and her career and other relationships? Now, I can speak from perspective that she's learned the techniques and tools to be more successful at it. But some of us get stuck. And so that's where I want to help you. So here are some rules for arguing that I always try and remember. Now, I put the word try in there because sometimes in the middle of conflict, I lose my, 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 my skill sets, you know? So ask yourself and the other person, what is this really about? Try and ask questions. I'm sorry, I don't understand. What is this about? Could you be more specific? How, you know, dig into what this is really about. It's usually not actually the thing that they're fighting about, but about something deeper that they lack of respect or perspective that they're wanting to have change occur. And they're not able to communicate it or they're afraid to. So when we take a moment and ask the other person, what is this really about? And we listen. Guess what? We communicate. Look, the second thing is look for solutions instead of reason for the other person is wrong. So it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. If nothing changes, then nothing's gained. You know, my mother used to say, I don't care who started it, I'm stopping, here's what we're going to do next. The same thing kind of sometimes has to happen in an argument. We've got to be willing to, to let go of the need to be right, and instead, let's look for the reason to grow. 
So care more about getting to the heart of the conflict and resolving it than being right. The third tip is take responsibility for your 50%. Now, what I mean by that is you're never 100% at fault, nor is the other person. But if you're willing to just take a moment and say, oh, 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 okay, maybe I wasn't listening. Okay, maybe I didn't understand. Maybe I didn't give the full attention that I should have. And you can do this out loud or in your head. But if, if you're willing to just step off the right stool and say, okay, 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 I may be to blame in this. I don't fully understand my actions. I don't fully understand how you heard what I said. That wasn't my intent. But I can be responsible enough to say I didn't deliver it in a way that I connected with you in a way that I wanted you to hear. So I'll take responsibility for that. As soon as we're willing to move out of rightness, just a little bit, it gives the other person a little breathing space to say the same thing. And so if they see us willing to take responsibility for our part, they are more inclined to take responsibility for their part. And then, ah, this is a big one. Write it down, underline it, put a rubber band around your wrist if you have to. But don't use always and never. Don't, don't. Those are trigger words in any argument. You always, you never. Just avoid it. Just when you hear it coming, bite your tongue and let the blood drip from the corner of your mouth. You'll be much better off. Statements like you always do this, you never do that, are unproductive and often put the other person in a defensive mode because they're constantly searching their brain at that point trying to figure out where they can prove you wrong in that one statement. Now, you can say, I feel as if you haven't, so that's self-based. And then stay in the present. That's another thing. You know, old is old. What happened, happened. We both walked away from the past with a different perspective because they were each our own. And so when we try and go back in the past and bring that into the future, they're going to use their perspective. I'm going to use my perspective. And then we're going to be arguing somewhere in the middle and nothing's going to get done because we're trying to rewrite history in the middle of a discussion where nobody is really thinking clearly or rationally. Now, if we all walk through life with little drones following us and videotaping our every action, then great, bring it up. But in the meantime, if you don't have it, don't do it. Stay in the present. And then a big one is remember why you care about the other person. Now, the silly thing is we only get into arguments with people we really care about, respect, or love. And in the heat of an argument, maybe it's time to go back and say, wait, I really respect this person. I really love this person. I really care for this person. They're important to me. And as we begin to reflect on their value, we bring that into the argument in a way that's different. And we're able to share with them that, you know what, this, our, our, my, my friendship with you is more important than whether we said we would have dinner at 6 or 6.30. I'm going to let this go. I love you too much to try and hurt you just so I can win. And then the last one is don't rush to the ending too soon out of discomfort. I see this so often that people are like, okay, fine, I agree. Well, that's the martyr. And they want to close it down and shut it off. Sometimes giving time to just let it simmer while you're both sitting there can bring resolution. Now, as you might guess, I'm a talker. 
So when I'm in one of those situations, I want to keep talking and talking and pushing and pushing and resolving and resolving. And I want to keep it going and going and going until I feel that we've woven the tightest solution possible and that every thread has been checked and rechecked. Now I happen to be in married to somebody that's like, I just need time to breathe. Just give me a few minutes to process everything. It's not avoiding. We've learned the technique and we've learned to understand each other. And so sometimes I want to rush and say, but are we good? Are we good? Are we good? And instead what I need to say is, okay, I'll wait. I'll give you a moment to finish your thought, to gather yourself, to center again. And if you have anything that needs to be discussed, I'm pretty confident you'll bring it up. So don't rush to the end just to get out of the discomfort of the moment. Remind yourself that arguments aren't always bad things that they can lead to greater connection and communication. All right? So when I use the word argument, I don't want you to think of it as that, you know, that, 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 that negative energy, that danger zone that we sometimes see portrayed on TV, that arguments are really exchange of ideas and gaining clarity and a form of communication. And, you know, in court to say I have an argument is actually means I have a well-thought-out position that I want to share with the, the court. Um, and so understanding that the, these roles has really helped me in my practice as a coach. And uh, I work with families and, and businesses. And often I'll go into a company and I can see that avoider, that peacekeeper, that, mo- that martyr, and that tyrant playing out during a board meeting or during a strategy session. And I have to, f- I have to find a way of coaching each of them back into the center where I say, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's... What is this really about? Let's look for solutions instead of the reason the other person might be wrong. Let's take responsibility for what we can. Let's let's avoid the always, the never, and the finger-pointing-you one. Let's stay in the present. Let's not dig up the past. And let's remember why we're all in this together. And let's not rush it. Let's give it its due time. Let's let it breathe like fine wine and Get it out in the open so that once we leave this situation, everybody feels like they were heard. Now, everybody might not feel like they got their, their, their position or that they won or that they were the, you know, that, that it was all about them. But if everybody can be heard and everybody can be understood and everybody can hear and understand each other, then we've created communication and connectivity. And from that, we can grow. And that's ultimately what we're really all about. You know, the, the funny thing is that when we slow down and let go of the ego and quit trying to be in a role and just be, we have far fewer arguments and a lot more discussions. So I hope you take this and, you know, maybe take a moment and reflect on which role you play and how you can begin to move out of that role and in doing so, shifting the relationships that you're in so that you can begin to live life more successfully, more fully, more completely into who you are and what you were designed to be. And that's ultimately what Success Coaching Radio is all about. So I thank you for your time today. If you want to connect to me offline or so to speak, just go to ericgreed.com and you're easily able to connect through me that way. And we've got a couple courses that are free and up on the Success Coaching You tab that you'll find on that website as well. And all the past podcasts are there for you to listen to as well. And do me a favor, comment, share, like, do all of the things that bring 
you know, this a little closer to the surface so other people can hear it and grow and learn. Until we get together next week, I want you to go out and live life with success and have a fabulous day.